Every once in a while, as a preacher, you get a set of readings that uh, in a way might be inaccessible or partially inaccessible. And that's what I find with these readings today, and I'll try and make this point. Um, now, you don't have to raise your hand if this applies to you. I don't think it applies to anybody. But uh, how many of you have had leprosy? I don't see anybody. How many of you know a person personally who has had leprosy? Nobody. 100%. Uh, that's what makes this inaccessible to me. I don't, I don't think we really have an appreciation of leprosy. I think we've seen it portrayed in movies maybe or whatever we hear it in the scriptures. Uh, as a kid, as a teenager, when I... I uh, had a deep devotion uh, and interest in the saints. I'd read all their stories. Who was the saint who was the, the saint of the lepers? Damien, Father Damien. And Damien, uh, in Hawaii, Molokai, there was a community of lepers. They all sent them to this island, and he dedicated his life to them. And um, they were considered untouchable. It was such a highly contagious disease uh, listen to what the Scripture says to us today. This is taken from Leviticus, the law book. said, this is how you are to act if you are a leper. It said, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, if someone has a, on his skin a scab or postule or blotch, yuck, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the other priests. If the man or woman, it says man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean by reason of the sore on his head. What power the priest had. Oh, my God. The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent, tear his garments, his Armani shirts, whatever, uh, keep his head bare so that people can see the blotches, don't hide them, and muffle his beard. I don't know what that was about. Um, but then he shall do this. Get this. The Scripture says, the Word of God says, that leper now is to walk through town shouting, unclean, unclean, don't touch me, I'm unclean. Yikes. But to really appreciate this, would you do this with me? Can we all be unclean just for a moment to see what that would feel like to shout that out when you see a crowd of people like here? Ready? Unclean, unclean. Add this to it. I'm untouchable. Hmm, yikes, but that's what you were to do. Now, I find that uh, very hard to even imagine, uh, wearing the shoes of a leper, and, and then once you did that, you could not live with your family or in your community. You had to live in a community of lepers apart. In fact, they say, I think, in some of the scriptures that people would take food out to them, put it on the road, and then run leave the food there so that they could come and get food, but they couldn't go near them. They were that afraid of catching it. But Damien, the leper, he became a leper himself as he served them. He used to kiss their wounds, kiss those blotches. And his faith was, Lord, if I get leprosy, then I get leprosy, but somebody needs to care for the lepers. And that's what he did. Well, we don't acknowledge uh, leprosy physically anymore. I think about three years ago there was 
some kind of an outbreak, I think somewhere in Africa, but I think it was uh, handled real quickly. And as far as I know, it's pretty much eradicated. But there are other kinds of leprosy, spiritual, emotional, um, societal. Like I think gays and, and, and uh, tr uh, trans people, they're lepers to many people. They're judged, they're considered untouchable. Um, they, some families eject them. There's a whole group in Los Angeles called Covenant House, and this uh, opens its doors to teenagers who run away from home because they feel so unloved, so untouchable by their parents and their families. And so <clears throat> I also think that every one of us has something untouchable inside. <clears throat> it's what I hear in confession all the time, stuff that they wouldn't tell anybody else and they do it to the priest because they know the priest has to keep his mouth shut and can't reveal the sins to anybody. So they can come in and say anything, anything, and things that, that they feel make them untouchable, unlovable. Well, the one thing I think this Word of God does very beautifully is to teach us something about being untouchable, but touchable and lovable by God. And in this gospel story, we get it. Jesus is there in a crowd, I guess, and a leper comes up to him, falls down on his knees, and begs Jesus. He says this to Jesus in front of everybody else. So he was proclaiming his faith that he really believes this. He says, if you will it, you can make me clean. Now this is a desperate leper who is unclean and untouchable, already living off by himself or in a community of other lepers. If you will it, you can make me clean. And without even a pause, the very next line says, and, and Jesus said, I do will it. Be made clean. And immediately, immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. He became touchable again. Could you imagine the joy? Could you imagine the joy of, of this moment? I'm untouchable. I'm unclean. My blotches are showing. And then in this moment, I'm clean. And all I have to do at the words of Jesus is go to the priest and have myself proclaimed clean again so I could go back to my family, my friends, my community. How extraordinary. So the question is, do we believe that in our relationship with God? That we're always touchable by God? That we're always clean in God's eyes? That it, it doesn't matter if we sin. I mean, it matters. It matters to us if we sin. But that doesn't stop God from loving us. Now, I'm going to try and give a little proof here. How many grandparents do we have in here? How many of those have grandchildren? Okay. Do you give a gift to your grandchildren to make them love you? Or do you love them so you give them gifts? I think it's the second one. You don't say, I want more love for my grandchildren, so I'm going to give them some money. No, you, you give it, you say, come here, honey. I love you so much, and you give them the money or the gift. And then, hopefully, they're well-trained and they say, thank you, Grandma. Thank you, Grandpa. And, and you get to the joy of, of hearing their gratitude and, and appreciate that they are appreciating. But you love them because you love them. That's a, you don't give them gifts to get their love. You give them gifts to give your love. 
And if that's true of grandparents and any of us, how much more true of God, trillions and trillions of times, that God loves us just because God loves us. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a little theology and philosophy lesson. We learned in theology and philosophy the gift of the immutability of God. Does anybody know what it means for God to be immutable? Unchangeable. This is what it says in Wikipedia of all sources. The immutability or unchangeability of God is an attribute that, quote, God is unchanging in his character, will, and covenant promises. And then it goes on and says, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, love, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. The immutability of God. Now, if you believe that, and I hope you do, because if you don't, then God is able to be changed. He's not perfect. And he can be loving one moment and hating the next. And that's what it says in the Bible. But that's because there's another word, anthropomorphic. And anthropomorphic means that when we look at God, we look at God with our anthropomorphic or human attributes. And the first chapter of the Bible in the first book of Genesis says that we were made, we were made in God's image and likeness. Not that God is made in our image and likeness, but we're made in his image and likeness. But then we turn around and put our attributes of, uh, of uh, revenge and hatred and, and um, punishment, because that's what we do to each other. When we don't like things, we punish it. We condemn it. We judge it. Uh, we make it untouchable. But today, the Word of God is saying, mm, when we're talking about God, we're very touchable. Because no matter what, even in the deepest sin and doubt and faith, even if we reject God, we hear of a God who loves us no matter what. No matter what. Now, I recognize that we are... I guess I'll say blessed, but with the Word of God and prayers even from our liturgy that question that or at least don't state it very clearly and hint that the opposite is true. Even the first prayer today, this is what it said. O God, who teach us that you abide in hearts that are just and true. Hmm. So if we're not just and or true, does that mean he doesn't abide in us? That's what it suggests. And then it goes on and says, Grant that we may be so fashioned by your grace, so blessed and touched and fashioned by your grace, as to become a dwelling place pleasing to you. Hmm. So does that mean if we don't appreciate that we're fashioned by the grace of God, that he doesn't make a dwelling place in us, or he's, he does, he's not pleased with us, so he doesn't dwell within us? I don't think that's true. He's immutable. God kind of has to love us because God is love. Not some of the time, not when we're good, but all the time. God is love, period. God is love. No questions, no, no qualifications. It's just all the time. I find this piece of info critical, and yet it's the thing that saddens me most in the Catholic community all the years of my priesthood. Because I don't think people believe it. 
I don't think they do. It's, it's one of those things, it's, it's too good to be true. God can't possibly love us if we reject Him. God can't possibly love us if we're not good people. But He does. And you know why? Because He's God. Because He's God. Now, you might say, and I've heard people say this to me, Father Perry, that's heresy what you're saying. And if you say that, why should we be good? If God's going to pour His grace on us and love us no matter what, why be good? Well, grandparents, do you give the gift because you love or because you're trying to buy love? Trying to buy it or because you, you love and you're good and you're good to them? And so much more so God. So if we believe that, then again, Mr. Eckhart, one of my um, mystics' uh, favorite of mine, he happens to be German, he says, if the only thing you ever say to God is, thank you, that's enough. But I'll go further. If we say thank you, God, every day for all the gifts that we have, for his grace, for his blessings, for his love, for his total acceptance, for, for our touchability in God's presence, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. Then we're beginning to get it. We're filled with gratitude because we know how gifted and loved we really are. And isn't that a better place to start? It's kind of like, you know, do we want our kids to obey us out of fear or out of love? Out of fear or out of love? And again, so much more so with our God. Do we want to obey our God and walk with our God and listen to our God out of fear or out of love? And I hope and I think uh, our faith tells us it's out of love.